0: Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, thank You so much for the many things You've already blessed us with this day. And now the awesome opportunity once again to get back into Your Word. Help us now as we do that. As we pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Valentine's Day coming up this week, or what they know as St. Valentine's Day. And the setting goes all the way back to around A.D. 270 in Rome and there was at the time a roman fertility festival of lupercalia which was february the 15th and there were two legendary martyrs whose lives seem to be historically based and who are commemorated on february the 14th and one of is a roman priest and a physician who suffered martyrdom during the Persecution of the Christians by the Roman Emperor Claudius II. And the second one was a bishop of Italy who was martyred, apparently also in Rome. And according to legend, Valentine, which was his name, of Rome was killed because he continued to perform marriages after Claudius II in an effort to encourage young men to join the army, had forbidden marriages. And on February the 14th, which is the eve of Lupercala, young men chose the names of maidens to be their partners during the celebration. Some have speculated that the beheading of St. Valentine possibly served as entertainment for the festival of Lupercala. So the church decided to honor St. Valentine with a specific day that is targeted or pointed, pointed toward and emphasizing love and the sharing of love with a special person in your life. We have various traditions that have been tagged on to Valentine's Day, such as giving the Valentine cards back and forth, and you see that some of the cards have this little image of what they call Cupid. And Cupid was actually has a pagan origin, which was a god of love and a son of the goddess Venus. He was depicted as a beautiful winged boy armed with a quiver full of arrowed desires. So if you were shot with arrow from that, you were given the desire of love for someone. And a valentine in the dictionary. I have a 1914 century dictionary. And in that, the definition of valentine is a young man or woman betrothed on the first Sunday in Lent. And the promise being annulled if they failed to give the other a present or an entertainment before mid-Lent. And Lent being some of the festivals of the... Catholic Church, which is an annual fast for forty days, beginning with Ash Wednesday and continuing until Easter, observed from very early times in the Christian Church, in commemoration of Christ's forty days fast, and as the season of, of special penance and preparation for the Easter feast. So, various traditions and that have been tagged to. Valentine's and Valentine's Day. It has become one of the more profitable days of the year for the sale of candy and decorations and flowers. But let's look at what the Word of God says concerning love. Love is very important. And whether you're specifically speaking of love for your closest person, your spouse, or for your love of mankind... Most of all, for the love of God. And we have the two great commandments that Jesus emphasized in Matthew chapter 22, which focus on love itself. Verses that we go over quite often because they are so important to Christian life and Christian behavior. As it reads in Matthew chapter 22, picking it up in verse 37. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like unto it Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So if we truly have that kind of love, we'll be tied in with the Heavenly Father in such a way that we will know His perfect will in our lives, and He will give us and fill us with so much love that we will be able to share the love with others out there. He gave us the ultimate gift of love, as He says in the Gospel of John, in John 3:16. for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son... That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That example of love, that love is so critical, that love is so important, and it's emphasized over and over in the Word of God and tells us to love one another. Love, love, true love, where you're totally devoted, like he emphasized, with all your heart and with all your existence, basically, because he says with your heart, with your soul, and with your mind. So what you feel, what you think about, what you desire, that kind of love. Primarily, first of all, to the Lord. And then to others. And we have given, been given other scriptures, like over in John, in chapter 13. Concerning love and concerning it being all the way to the point of a commandment that you love. In the New Testament, some of the epistles, we see the word charity used. You look at the definition of the word that is translated as charity. It means a sincere concern for someone else's well-being. And that is what true love is. a sincere concern for someone else. And in John chapter 13, picking it up in verse 34, the words of the Lord, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. So he would already given us the commandment of love, now he's adding some more details to that commandment. As I have loved you. How did he love us? He loved us so much that he was willing to lay down his life for us. Do you have that kind of love for anyone? That you would be willing to die for them? That's what we're commanded to, to do and have. Verse 34 again. A new commandment I give unto you. That ye love one another as I have loved you. That ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if ye have love one to another. That kind of love for your fellow brother and and sister in Christ. Total concern and love and desire for their well-being. And he gave us that awesome example and he gave us a commandment that we should do such. And over in... John chapter 15, we see further reference to love. In John chapter 15, let's pick it up in verse 9. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. Notice, in my love, we can be filled with the love of Jesus Christ, just like the filling of the joy that he gives us. And when we have that, it overflows from us into others around us. Verse 9 again, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Those two commandments that he emphasized earlier, to love God basically with all your existence and to love others as yourself. If we truly do that, then we have that kind of relationship that he wants us to have. Verse 11, these things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Are you sad? Are you depressed? Are you weary? If you are sad, depressed, and weary, you're not fulfilling the commandments that he has given us of that kind of love. Because when we truly have that kind of love and concern for someone else, then we're going to be filled with the love of Jesus Christ. It's going to overflow from us into others around us. We're going to be filled with a full joyfulness that He can give us. So we need to look, we need to examine, is there something going on in our lives which is hampering us from having the kind of joyfulness that we should have? And it can be traced back to a lack of love for someone else or for the Lord. It all goes back to that love. Because he explains it there again. That's commandment of love. And in verse 11, these things have I spoken unto you. These things about that love, the importance of that love. That my joy might remain in you. When we truly have that love and share that love and express that love, then we're filled with joy. Not with hatred and, and detest for someone. Or grudge Or anger. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. If you want full joyfulness, then have that love. It's difficult sometimes to have love for someone, especially as he teaches us about loving our enemies, and love those that have done us wrong in one way or another. But when we get ourselves out of the way, let the love of Jesus Christ come through us, then it's his love that we can then in turn share with others. Verse 12, again, this is my commandment, that ye love one another, as I have loved you. And then he explains that kind of love. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth, I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what the Lord doeth, but I have called you friends, for all things have I... Heard of my Father I have made known unto you. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain that whosoever ye excuse me, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. Are you asking for things that you're not receiving? If you are, you are asking amiss, as the word says. You're asking something that is not going to be good for you, not for your benefit, not within the will of the Lord, not in the plan of the Lord, possibly. Or is it because you're lacking the fulfillment of the two commandments, to have that kind of love? Because it goes back to the qualifier. If you love the Father as you are supposed to, then whatever you ask, you will receive. that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. These things I command you that ye love one another. If the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. There's a lot of hatred out there for the Christians. They hate us without any cause. Because when looking at us and the expression of love that we have and the sharing of the love that we have, it shows their lack of love And they get jealous, they get angry, they get defensive because it reveals their sin and their lack of love. Therefore, they turn against us. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Not very encouraging to become a Christian when you know when you become a Christian the world's going to hate you, but at the same time you ought to be rejoice because the world's going to hate you because you're not like the world. Therefore rejoice in that. And know that it's because you are different. You've been chosen. You are a peculiar people. You are totally different because you're indwelt with the dwelling spirit of the Holy Ghost. And He gives us what we need to be able to live a God-glorifying life when we truly listen to Him and do what we're supposed to do. And He gives us some guidelines in His Word how we need to share this love, especially how we need to share this love with our closest person to us, our spouse, our loved one. And also in our walk with other Christians And in Colossians chapter 3, we see an awesome example of a description of the kind of love that we should have. Picking it up in Colossians chapter 3, let's pick it up in verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. That's the core The Word of Christ. His recorded Word. His taught Word that He gives us. Let that be in us. Let us know that and share that. And then teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns. That's why we sing these songs in church. read spiritual songs. Singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed... Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Everything that we do, we give thanks. We thank Him when we wake up in the morning. We thank Him for another day of opportunities to serve Him. And we thank Him for all the many blessings that He's poured upon us and what He's promised to give us in the future. And you go out throughout the day talking and not stopping that prayer, that communication. Pray without ceasing, it says, all throughout the day, all the way to the point you fall asleep at night. And then he gets into some specifics on this kind of love here in verse 18. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Very complicated, but yet very short verse. If you really look at this, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. let says say to your husbands. You don't submit yourselves to any other men. Just to your own husband. As it is fit in the Lord. That's the big complicated part of it. As it is fit in the Lord. That doesn't mean you're just a, a slave to your spouse. That means you obey your spouse in the relationship with the Lord and always consider that. That if you are told or led to do something that is against the Lord, you are not obligated to submit yourself to such behavior. The Lord set the establishment of the hierarchy you might say. God is number one and first and utmost and the Holy Trinity and then he is in the family. You have the Fathers and mothers and the children. The father has the spiritual position of being the authority over the household and responsibility of regulating the behavior. And in that, we're supposed to submit in such a way to the desires of the Lord and helping each other understand that and know that. And wives to submit themselves to that kind of spiritual leadership. Not to be a slave to them, that every little whim and whelm that they want, that you do this, you do that. That's not what he's talking about. Talk about spiritual guidance. And then verse 19 husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. And then it goes into the children children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well pleasing unto the Lord. Very important there that we always keep the Lord in the center of it. Now, if you turn back to Ephesians, Ephesians gets into a little more detail on this. In Ephesians chapter 5, picking it up in verse 20. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So you always got to be thankful. Be thankful for that relationship, husband and wife relationship, that bringing together, becoming as one. It's precious in the eyes of the Lord. And in verse 21, submitting yourselves one to another. Notice, it isn't just the wife to the husband. Some people just like to take that part and not think about it the other way because he says right here, one to another. That means submitting to each other because sometimes in some family settings, the woman has to rise up and become the spiritual leader in that household because the husband might not even be saved yet. Therefore, you have her as the leader, the spiritual leader of the household. Now he gets into some details once again, verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Back to the qualifier. In the Lord, under the guidance of the word of the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. So the love, the love that the husbands are to have for the wives is to the point of willing to lay down their life for that person. To totally love someone more than you even love yourself. To know that their there. Have been a, there More important than you yourself as a husband toward a wife to love that wife to the point willing to lay down your life for that individual. Read verse 25 again. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever had yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. That's the guidelines that we have there. And in. Go on over to chapter 6, in verse 1 through 4. We see how this expands to the children. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You see, when your family starts to expand and you have the children and so forth, it goes back once again to the responsibility of the husband to make sure he's a spiritual leader and to help those children to know how to behave and to love God, number one, and to others as themselves and a proper relationship within the family. And the wife to be submissive in the spiritual leadership of the husband unless it is a condition or a situation where you don't have that. You might have a situation where there isn't a saved husband, and the wife is the one who is the spiritual leader. But to turn on over to First Peter in chapter 3, we can see some guidance concerning this. In First Peter chapter 3, Go ahead and pick it up in verse 1. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word... So this is that situation I was saying, that you have a born-again wife, but a lost husband. It is that if any obey not the word, any husband, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives you live a God-glorifying life in front of your lost husband, then you can be an example of a Christian to them and they can see that love and feel that love and want to be a part of that love and become born again through that process. You draw them in through that love. Verse 2, "...while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear." Whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plaiting the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel. Your appeal shouldn't just be the physical outside appearance. He's not saying let yourself go and be just as homely as possible. No, he's saying don't focus on the exterior appearance to the point where that becomes your priority. you got to know that the true beauty, the true love, the true... Lure comes from within, not from without. But let it be the hidden man of the heart, the inner inner person, your heart, that really draws someone in, and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit. Meek and meekness, when it's used in the Word of God, is speaking of power under control. The power of influence that someone can have on someone else, that's what it's speaking of when you see the word meek. To have that power under control, a quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price, that's where the real value is. For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also, who trusted in God, adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are as long as ye do well, and are not afraid with any amazement. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife, unto the weaker vessel. Truly honoring your wife. And as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. That's a very interesting connection to your prayers there. If you want to have the kind of relationship that was mentioned earlier, to receive what you ask of the Lord, you have to apply the love the love of God primarily, and then the love of others. Here specifically love of your spouse. To love your husbands, love your wives, and then your prayers are not hindered. Read that verse seven again. Likewise ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife, as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers be not hindered. Finally, be of Be ye all of one mind, coming together in a common goal and in a common desire, a common belief, a common love, putting God number one in your lives. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil. That's a big one there. Not rendering evil for evil. The paybacks. Oh, you did this against me, so I'm going to figure some way out to get back, to get even. Paybacks should be our desire. Not rendering evil for evil, but, excuse me, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrariwise blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called that ye should inherit a blessing. If we want to receive a blessing, we best be giving blessings, not be hateful. reads, for he that will love life and see good days, let him reframe his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. See, that's one of the problems that relationships have, is the conflict, is the criticism, is the condemning. Should not have that. Well they say that, the three great seas, so the three great seas do not criticize, condemn or complain. You're not supposed to criticize, condemn, or complain when it comes to a close relationship with anyone. Because when you throw that in there, you have this railing, this arguing, this coming back and forth it shouldn't be that way. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil, flee from it, in other words, and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. If you want to have the kind of relationship that's available for us with the Lord, we need to do those two great commandments that we started out with. Let's read those again. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Receive the love, share the love, have the love. And in Valentine's Day and every single day, take a special time, a special moment to truly point out your love for the closest person that is to you in your relationship, the closest person around you, and ultimately your love for the Lord. Let's pray. Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we truly thank you for the love that you have shared with us, for the love that you have shown us, for the example that you have shown us. Please fill us all with that joyfulness when we truly have that love. Fill us up with so much love that it overflows into all those around us and we get our own evil ways, our our own evil activities and behaviors and attitudes out of the way completely and let you come forward and only you. We truly thank you for that as we pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen.